Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing entrepreneurship, innovation, and of course, artificial intelligence. I'll be joined by James Baroud. If you're not familiar with James, let me give you a quick background. Named on the Power 100 list and Top 100 Influencers list, James Baroud is among the leaders of the East Coast's innovation ecosystem. He's the founder of Innovation Plus, a curated global community of engaged entrepreneurs and innovators. He recently concluded five years as the CEO of Tech United, a regional trade association based out of New Jersey. Prior to this, he led the top-ranked Entrepreneurship and Innovation Center at Fairleigh Dickinson University for over 10 years. In 2021, James gave a popular TEDx talk on how innovative immigrants are helping to save millions of people with the remarkably fast development of COVID vaccines and treatments. James is the author of the book, Entrepreneurship and Innovation, Global Insights from 24 Leaders and co-author of Lessons from the Great Recession. James holds an MBA from Texas A&M University and a bachelor's in economics from Rutgers University. Join us as we really get into artificial intelligence today and what it holds for the future. Without further ado, my conversation with James Baroud. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, I think this is certainly timely. And, um, you know, you have such a, a cool background where you kind of blend, you know, tech and entrepreneurship, two things I'm, I'm really interested in. So for you personally, like, how did it begin? Would you say that you were a businessman first or were you a techie first? Like, how did that come about? Certainly a businessman, right? So um, as, you, as you mentioned, I worked at an entrepreneurship center for 17 years, right? And I was only going to do that for maybe two or three years. I was just, had just come out of grad school. And mm -hmm. I just thought this is a really special job. I was about to actually take a marketing job with a corporate. And I just said, let's do this. I come from an entrepreneurial uh, family business uh, background. So I just thought I'd do it for two or three years. And it was so uh, fun and impactful uh, that I did it for 17 years. And so, and then I was uh, recruited away to, to lead this trade association. Um, and yep. that was uh, a larger platform to help people, help entrepreneurs, help leaders succeed. And so that got me more into tech. But, you know, entrepreneurship okay. you know, it has always been tech-related in many ways, right? Because sure. the new uh, technology helps entrepreneurs scale quicker. So when I started, Brian, it costs a lot to start a business. You fast forward to today, it's about one one hundredth the cost to start a business. You could do it, you know, in your bedroom, essentially, yeah. at a fraction of the cost. So, um, you know, technology is a, is a great um, enabler for entrepreneurship. Sure. And so, like, as you're working with a lot of these startups or, you know, venture capital, how do you feel like, how do you get up to speed, you know, with a business background to, you know, what the idea is, if somebody's, you know, pitching you or showcasing a new idea on AI or some gadgetry, and that's not your background, you're not the software engineer, or cybersecurity expert or something like that. 
how do you know how do those folks who are in venture capital how do they really find the value there how do they maybe understand that aside from just seeing that hey this guy looks like a great business leader sure well every business you know needs to have a, a plan uh to scale right and so mm -hmm. depending on the technology that scaling can go you know uh, hopefully very fast right um but sometimes it's not as fast. So a retail business or a product business, those businesses take a little longer to get to scale and get to that higher uh, sort of valuation where a venture capitalist or angel investor can realize a return, a big return on their money, right? Yep. So as far as the technology, ever-changing, right? We've gone through so many changes from the web to uh, Web3 to crypto and everything in between, IoT, yeah. oh, I name them all, but now we're at AI, right? So sure. keeping up with AI is sort of, uh, it's hard, right? Because it's happening so quickly. But if you understand the, the basic fundamentals of artificial intelligence, and now with generative artificial intelligence with GPT, you can see that it really is a game changer uh, mm -hmm. for the industry, for all industries, right? So I think, again, hard to keep up with technology, but, it is, uh, yeah. you know, if you sort of just stay abreast of the news and and, and read a lot and, and listen to a lot of really great podcasts trying to explain what's going on, you can get a sense for it. But the fundamentals, Brian, are still the same, right? Do you have a good entrepreneur, a good team, a good market size, good potential, to get from here to a billion or whatever that number is, uh, that doesn't change. And then again, mm -hmm. when you're talking about AI, right now there's so much hype, there's so, there's a mad rush of companies. So you have thousands, tens of thousands of companies rushing in, who will be the winners? So that's the real concern right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of money going into it, but there will, there will only be a subset of winners at the end of the day, and that's <clears throat> two, three, five years. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Pardon this commercial interruption, but this episode has been brought to you by Weekly Wealthy Wisdom, my weekly e-newsletter that tens of thousands of subscribers already enjoy getting in their inbox every Monday. In Weekly Wealthy Wisdom, you'll find my latest insights on health and wealth in less than a two-minute read, including some of my favorite quotes, books, products, health hacks, paragraphs to ponder, and much more. Start your week out right with weekly wealthy wisdom. Now back to the show. I think that's what's so difficult is if we just go back to, you know, when the internet was coming of age, you know, then obviously that led to the dot-com bubble where it was like, oh, these this whole concept is so revolutionary. It's so great. But then, like you mentioned, you know, all, all of these companies, everybody jumps on the bandwagon and it's like, who survives? Who comes out the other side? You kind of had something similar, you know, with crypto, you know, where now there's all these different cryptocurrencies coming about, you know, which one is the real Bitcoin or what's next with AI, it seems like a similar conversation. Um, you know, what, what maybe can you speak to that of just the monsters, you know, the Googles, the Microsofts that say, Hey, we'll just do it ourselves versus, you know, two guys in their garage, they're saying, we think we have something novel here. Is there a place for that or is it, it just so hard to compete, you know, with the monster company or then with governments? Yeah, well, I think there is a, an opportunity for, for startups to compete. It's just it's wide open space. Um, mm -hmm. There will be an option for um, entrepreneurs to collaborate or partner with the big, uh, big tech, right? 
Um, and, and, and I won't get too technical, but those were well-run LLMs, large language models, right? So um, the large, the big tech uh, companies will have those, but there will also be a fragmentation of these large langu language models where you get all your data from. So there will be multiple opportunities to move forward, right? Again, if you pick the right niche, right, then, uh, and you get traction, then you could build some barriers and get to a place where the company is very valuable. But it, a lot of it is to, to be determined, frankly. Um, there is a lot of talk about the big tech coming in and just you know, sweeping up all the potential, but I, I think that's probably overblown. Yes, they yeah. will leverage it. Yes, they will be super successful uh, in, in taking advantage of the technology uh, of artificial intelligence for their own current business models, but also mm -hmm. maybe for some extended business models, which uh, go into new businesses, right? So, okay. so, so I'm hopeful, but um, you know, we've we've seen how big tech can be sort of um, you know super competitive and squashing innovation or buying it up, right? So, Correct. if you're buying a company for a great valuation, that's great too, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't we we always are concerned about inhibiting innovation. Uh, and that entrepreneurial spirit from young companies. And as you advise a lot of these, you know, startups, do you find many of them actually have that that vision of I'm going to build a company that's going to be mine forever? Or are they all hopping in kind of like, I want to create an idea, I want to scale it quickly, and then I want to sell it as fast as I can? Because the the latter seems to be more of what I see. Yeah, well, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? And it's a lot easier. I mean, being an entrepreneur... <laughs> Brian, it's like the hardest job in the world, right? Taking a company from idea to 10 million, 100 million, whatever that number is, even if it's just 10 million, you know, the skill sets needed to found and inspire and, and, and get that product launched and raise money. And then to, you know, manage large, a larger number of people is it, really hard. Uh, and, and that's why I always say it's the hardest job in the world. Uh, but people have seen so many companies sell out to large companies, including big tech. And yeah. that seems to be a great segue because then they could do something else. And these days, yeah. as you know, Brian, you know, people are sort of really cognizant of balance of trying different things, mm -hmm. uh, of taking breaks and sabbaticals, uh, traveling the world. So yeah. I think more and more, as you're noting, uh, people are cognizant about that exit strategy. Whereas maybe sure. 10, 20 years ago, it would be more like, I really want to take this this company and 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 run it forever or for mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30 years. That that sort of has changed and people are more understanding of the options of exiting uh, to yeah. larger companies or strategic buyers. Things yeah. like that have become more and because more corporate VCs are are in the mix as well. So that's yeah. certainly a, a reality. Sure. Yeah, it seems like kind of like a no brainer, like unless you're you're really attached to that company, it's almost like you could kind of cash out and then have that ticket to paradise and, and do what you want for maybe the remainder of your life. So that's that's certainly empowering. And so with with the you know, all the folks that you're working with, what do you see as some of like the biggest opportunities or the biggest challenges um, that these young companies are facing right now? Well, I think those challenges are um, are the same as they've always been, right? Getting mm -hmm. uh, product market fit with with the customers, right? Uh, raising money is harder now, right? It was easier in the past five years until the last 
year, six months, uh, it's become a lot harder, right? So, so right now, I'd say it's, it's a harder time unless you have traction and revenue, right? Because raising money is harder and more expensive. That's just the mm -hmm. reality. Uh, on the other hand, if you have enough revenue and traction and, and can gain some, some ground here, it is a good time to be uh, a young company, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, recessions weed out, not that we're in a recession, but the slowdown weeds out sort of the weak, mm -hmm. the weaker companies. So it, it is an opportunity, but um, it's obviously a, a time of constraint and, and cost cutting and, and just sort of trying to make it through and, and getting more customers. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the days of, of, of free money or easy money is over at least for, yeah. for, for the time being. Um, so that, that's how I see it in general. Uh, and then again, the companies, Brian, that are involved with AI are seeing, you know, a surge of interest too. Right. So sure. they're taking advantage of the hype cycle here and the mm -hmm. potential. And so those companies, again, have to move quickly. But again, it's it's not a sure thing either. Yeah. And so maybe if we stick with that, Jim, like on, on AI, because just if you're the layman, you're hearing so many different things out there that it's a game changer. It's going to you know unlock the keys to the future. And then for everyone saying that, you have just as many saying this is going to just totally reshape the workforce. Uh, and then even if you want to go to kind of the not fear mongering, but even worse than that, you know, that it can go in directions we don't have any control over. Um, what's maybe your take on, on AI? Like, how would you summarize that? Well, I think the benefits will be enormous, uh, Brian. It will change our lives, transform our lives, make our lives better. We'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be, we'll be healthier. Um, uh, we'll, um, you know, we'll be able to, uh, have more free time. We'll have less headaches, you know, I mean, it, we'll all have a personal AI, right? So, um, so that's really gonna gonna help us um, really manage our lives better going forward and be more productive. So those what, are the benefits. Yeah. What is, when you say a personal AI is that almost like a Siri on steroids? Like what what can we expect there? Yeah, absolutely. So we're all gonna uh, have uh, these AIs, personal AIs, like her, right? I think mm -hmm. uh, we've all seen that movie, or many of us have. Um, that can help us with different different tasks or, or different issues, or just help us, you know, manage life, essentially. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the, uh, let me digress for a second. One of the concerns there is, and I was spoke about it at a conference this week, is that we will have these personal relationships with AI, right? They're going to get so much better. There mm -hmm. already are versions of this now. And once we start having personal relationships with AI and depend on them so, uh, so robustly, then there are concerns about getting too attached. And, mm -hmm. and, and so my prediction was in five, 10 years, there will be a whole new set of psychologists and therapists that are just helping us deal with our AI. Oh my in addition to AI <laughs> therapists Jeez. helping us deal with our AI. So it's, it's a scary reality, but I, wow. I really think that is, a, that is sort of, you know, a little dystopian, but it is a reality that um, going forward. So Going back to your question, so we'll transform everything. It will make us live longer, right? I mean, I was just speaking to a cardiologist. I'm helping uh, or I'm, I'm partnering with Rutgers on some new executive uh, education briefings in different sectors. One of them is healthcare. 
the potential is enormous. I mean, AI, you know, can can help personalize medicine, help predict, you know, what problems and sicknesses you might have. So, uh, so that is is going to be a boon to our longevity, no doubt. That that's going to be amazing. Of course, there are you know there are negative. So on that on the flip side, there are negatives like bias, right? We have to be concerned about that and sure. discrimination because of large language models and and again. There is responsible AI, which has which are toolkits, which help us, you know, um, fix that. The other negative area, and I don't want to digress too much into negative, is misinformation, right? And garbage that's going to be put out there, like hundred times as much than today, right? Because mm -hmm. the AI can do it all for you, right? And so if people, bad actors, want to misinform, that's going to be a problem, uh, as yep. as well as deep. On the other hand, there is technology I'm working with a, a startup that's helping verify, authenticate deep fake or real videos uh, to protect against deep fakes or misinformation. So, so those are the downsides, but so, so healthcare education, right? Education is going to, you know, there's some challenges with uh, AI, right? Because people are using it to cheat, right? Or potentially yep. cheat. So there are, uh, on the other hand, there are new AI. There's a, a company uh, in Princeton, a student who creates AI to detect plagiarism, right? So there's a battle in that area as well, just in education alone, to protect against plagiarism. On the other hand, it's a, like a, a Google on steroids, right? Yep. So will it be a great a tool for students to use, right? And for creativity yep. purposes, Brian, uh, it's amazing, right? It really can help you start your next book or give you ideas for your next article, or help you uh, with your artwork, right? Give you ideas for uh, producing something artistic. And so that will be exciting as well. So so those are Jeez. some of the areas. <laughs> you know. I, I gotta tell you, Jim, just like as you rattle those off, it's, um, it's, it's amazing, but it, it's a little bit scary, a little kind of freaky, because the thing I was thinking of, and when you touched on education, is I remember when, you know, I was, in my earlier years of schooling, you had to go to the library and you had to to go to the books. And I can remember, you know, Google's coming, you know, you know, and taking over the world. And all of us students were like, oh, well, I'll just go on the web. And you had your teacher, your professor, whoever was like, no, I need you to go get a book. I want to see you actually cite the book and the page number. And it was like, why am I spending so much time scouring these shelves of these books when I could literally type something in a journal online and have it in a second? And it was like, eventually you felt the tide turn where the faculty kind of like threw their hands up, like, you know what, you guys are right. Like, it's all on the web. You can spend a fraction of the time locating the source. Go for it. Are we going to, because the point I'm making is I feel like now with you're hearing all these stories about kids saying, oh, I'll just uh, type my essay into chat GPT and then boom, it spits out a two page beautiful essay for me. And that's obviously cheating. When, are, when is faculty and administration going to say, you know what, if you can ask a question and it can give you a great answer, go for it. And, and I feel like as you do that, you're taking more and more of that creativity away from the student or the individual when we know that the the AI can just do so much for us, you know, like start a new book or, or come up with an idea for a painting or all the things that you listed. I just feel like, how do you keep that originality when it can just do so, so much for you? Yeah. And that is a challenge, Brian. It's certainly, we're going to have to plod through this and figure it out, right? How do you teach 
leveraging AI as a tool, right? And not replacing, right? Importantly, not replacing uh, the student's creativity or, or just substituting it in. And so it's a it's really a balance. In fact, one of the I'm part of a group of entrepreneurship educators, and I, I got an email the other day which says the best way, the best way to to sort of fight against uh, AI for students is to have them do short videos, right? On on their okay. answers. The yeah. answers should be in short video form, right? And and that makes a lot of sense because it's harder to fake that. In fact. I mean, they can sort of still sort of create what they're going to talk about using the chat GPT. <laughs> yeah. but it's create harder. their own deep fake yeah, of themselves. <laughs> right. It helps them with presentation skills. Again, they will be able to deep fake at some point. That will happen, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, the technology is so good that we'll be able to sort of make it seem as your speak as if you're speaking, right? So, so for now, having them do video presentations to um, present sort of their 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 homework or their project or what they've learned is a is a really good strategy, right? Because again, it, it helps them sort of present, helps them with those soft skills while mm -hmm. helping them also sort of uh, present what they've, they've learned in video format. So that's just a tactic, you know. That's just yeah. again, there's probably there, there are several different tactics, but that one uh, makes a lot of sense. So so for sure. education, of course, the benefits. Well, there are the negatives which we just mentioned, but the benefits are uh, personalized learning, right? So if you have an AI that's seeing everything you're learning and, and say, especially in younger grades, K-12, if there's someone who's not, you know, progressing as quickly, then that AI or, or can be um, helping to uh, assign projects or get them to tutoring, AI tutors, right? Mm -hmm. To get them up to speed, right? So the prospect of personalized learning which has been sort of um, talked about for, for a decade, right? Yeah. Is it's getting closer to reality. So that's education. We've covered education. We've covered healthcare. Business, again, business, all the backend, all the you know, trivial stuff can be automated much more easily, right? From accounting to marketing to sales to, to all that, um, to production, right? Um, yeah. So that is is a boon for businesses that can take advantage of it. So you're gonna mm -hmm. have AI enabled, right? You, before we said, Brian, tech enabled, right? That means they took advantage of e-commerce and all the you know technology on the back end. Now, the, the bar has been raised. If you're not leveraging AI, there's a more likelihood you're gonna go out of business or you will be disrupted uh, going forward. So that is the, the challenge and the promise on the business side. Yeah. And do you think, I mean, that we could get to a point where this stuff is so good and so efficient that having too much automation, um, the, I mean, what would you do with that? Because I could almost like envision this society where we've replaced this job, that job, the other job, you know, all with AI where it's applicable. And so as you've done that, it's like, well, do we just have this beautiful system that's being operated by the computers? They're doing most of the learning and the dirty work for us. And then, you know, it's kind of like when you used to have to work 80 hours a week in a factory, now you can work, you know, 40 hours a week in an office. Are we going to reach a point where you could work 10 hours a week from home and just everything else is being kind of taken care of in the economy through these new tools? Um, if we do get there, I mean, that sounds great. It seems like we're removing the workload and freeing up time to pursue passions and such. 
but I wonder if if it can go too far. I know we're going pretty deep with this, but I I wonder what the take is on that. Yeah, I think that's certainly a concern. And, you know, we've been talking about universal basic income for a while now, right? And, and so mm -hmm. that becomes more of a reality or need if there is mass disruption leveraging technology, including AI, right? Yep. So clearly, uh, this is the challenge of our time, right? Because formerly, all technology removed sort of blue-collar jobs or made them more efficient, right? So... Um, if it starts doing white collar jobs, right, and tech yeah. jobs and, and knowledge work jobs, that's scary as well for that segment of the population. Um, so we're we'll see how that goes. But the the pros the promise is it will create new jobs, right? So mm -hmm. it, depending on who you talk to, uh, what expert, um, there will be destruction uh, destruction of jobs, right? But there will be additional jobs, just like any new technology, right? Sure. Lost jobs in this area, create jobs in the other. And that's the promise. And I'm optimistic about that. Um, I'm 90% optimistic about that. But uh, again, with the power of these tools, you just never know, right? You just, <clears throat> you just don't know uh, how bad the disruptions uh, will be. Uh, but I do know that Overall, technology will help us and has helped us create a, a more balanced, more fruitful lives, right? Sure, uh, sure. With more time on our hands, more, more leisure. And that's a benefit uh, for all. Yeah. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with that. I think there's just, for, there's a yin and a yang here, a pro and a con to like each kind of comment. And I, the, maybe the one last thing I would mention on AI, that's just a fear of mine, is I feel like when you mentioned the misinformation earlier or the bias that's out there, everybody and their brother sees that now you have the quote unquote fake news and everything. And social media is just kind of this black hole of information. You can find anything that kind of, you know, resonates with your own bias. So I feel like as a society, we got behind the eight ball with social media and we're playing catch up of like, how do we police this? How do we regulate this? And we haven't gotten that yet. And before we're even trying to kind of wrangle with that, AI is going to just explode that, like you mentioned, to the nth degree. So it's like where I don't know who becomes kind of the policeman for it, because you said, you know, some of the students coming up with AI that can kind of fact check, you know, what that AI said. But you could see almost other AI that says, well, we're going to fact check that our way. And and then you almost have these kind of competing sides where it seems like at some point there has to be this overarching voice that will be the moderator, you know, amid all of this. I don't know yeah. if that's the government or if that even can be, if then that kind of infringes on, you know, freedom of speech or I don't know where that would go. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, it's got to be a public-private uh, partnership, right? Because the the privates are, are surging ahead here, right? Sure. And they need to be part of the the solution, and they are, they have been sort of lobbying for that. But on the other hand, it's a global sort of a, a battle, uh, arms race, right, to get these tools. So yep. it's not just the states, right? We're we're at the lead right now, but you have China, you have other countries that are positioning themselves to be leaders in AI, right? Because uh, the the bonuses or the potential bonuses uh, and, and power uh, by being a leader in AI are paramount, right? It's, it's pretty obvious, right? And so we have to collaborate more, right? The governments have to collaborate more and also the private have to collaborate more on some framework, you know, that protects us, right? And protects the world. Um, and so, 
you know, at this time, you know, there's tensions in the world. So that's really, uh, that may be a bit harder to do, right? You have a race for power by AI, but there's yep. got to be a, a parallel race for regulation and oversight and safety via uh, AI. So that's the real concern. Hopefully we can, you know, I think smart people are working on it. Um, uh, hopefully we can get to that better place. Uh, and earlier rather than later, because, you know, ultimately we don't want to be in the same position regarding social media where yep. the cat was out of the bag and, you know, <laughs> and we can't catch it. Damage. Yeah. Yep. So, and you just there, you gave me a great segue to what I thought might have to be a huge kind of pivot, but I wanted to ask you, Jim, like where we are on the, the global stage, because it is true that, you know, you, you see whoever had the lead in technology or innovation has had a tremendous advantage, you know, amongst competitors. And I, right now I'm actually reading The Making of the Atomic Bomb and it's just a really interesting book, but you could see firsthand as all these folks immigrated to the US, the, the best and the brightest. And then as we were able to create, you know, the atomic bomb that changed the course of, of history of humanity um, just because of this knowledge and this technology. And so with that said, you mentioned a moment ago that we're still in the lead. Do you feel that, that the U.S. does have, you know, the advantage here? Where do we stand? You know, you always just hear U.S. and China as kind of the two lone superpowers right now. And then all the talk, talk about, you know, Taiwan and um, kind of how they've, you know, cornered the market from a semiconductor standpoint. What's some of the layout there? If, if you had the forecast, you know, five, 10 years down the road, what does some of that look like from a global standing? Well, that's that's hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's a whole other episode. But... <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it would. I think it would still be uh, mostly the U.S. and China, uh, and but India is a player, right? India is coming on strong, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I think by those three areas, as far and Europe, of course, but so so it'll be those four players, right? I, I think. Um, I think they'll. It's, it will still be very competitive, right? And um, I think we'll come to a better place just because I think the world powers will understand, just like the, the atomic bomb, that the AI is so powerful that there has to be safeguards put in place, mm -hmm. especially, you know, to prevent it from uh, from bad actors, you know, non-state uh, actors getting hold of it and doing wreaking damage you know, uh, on society and societies uh, around the world. So, so it is, it, it's hard to predict, but I'm hopeful that, you know, the world has come together in the past and it'll come together yeah. in the future um, to, to really come to some understanding where, where, you know, we need to uh, do what's best for the common good. Yeah. And do you feel that there should be kind of in that same vein, more collaboration or some more isolation uh, and maybe as kind of like a case study, for instance, right now we have TikTok and it, TikTok, uh, you know, is huge, of course. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, negative news about it, both from a, a mental and emotional standpoint for our youth, but also any potential um, kind of information leaking or spying, you know, by the Chinese. And then you have, you know, Instagram reels, I understand really to be kind of what we're hoping can just overtake TikTok here in the States what do you think about that? Like, do we want to develop some sort of software or programs that then we can expose 
to China and have all on one platform? Or do we want to have that a little bit more segmented? Yeah, I mean, again, that's uh, it's really tough to predict, right? We, we Clearly, we've had the lead in social media, and now China has uh, great traction uh, with TikTok. And I think you just put safeguards, you know, they'll probably spin it out or do something that protects the data from um, from getting into the hands of governments. Uh, but also they should provide access for our companies too. So there's this sort of, you know, unfair, unfair situation where uh, our social media companies aren't in China, yet TikTok is everywhere, right? So Correct. I think they'll, they'll come to some type of agreement there. Um, but again, that's a, that's a, a potential um, threat to us, frankly, you know, misinformation, right? I mean, elections, yep. we really need to be on top of this because the potential for danger is so much more now, particularly with AI and the mm -hmm. massive information that can be produced, you know, with the, with the touch of a button, right? Because the yep. AI can take care of all the misinformation. In the past, you know, you need a human to create the misinformation and then distribute it. Now you can program AI to do that. And so uh, again, hundred times more misinformation, hundred times better, you know, uh, fake, you know, and deep fake um, misinformation, you know, including videos, right? So they can create videos, which says, yep. shows some politician saying something or doing something. And that before you can authenticate it and verify and, and deny it, um, you know, the veracity of it, it's already been seen by a billion people, right? So yep. that is a reality that has to be sort of um, really um, fought against uh, with, with all the tools at our disposal. And I'm afraid, you know, it's going to be a battle, you know, it's going to be a race where the defects will take the lead. And then the, the authorities will take the lead. And the and so it'll go back and forth, back and forth, a race against the tools and the technology. And so for, for at least the, the short term, it's gonna be um, it's gonna be very tricky. And you know, that's one of the things uh, I'm not sure I mentioned it, but we we're creating a teens a teen course or a summer camp uh, online course um, that is uh, teaching kids about future tech skills. And one of them is gonna be about how to understand what's uh, fake news or or misinformation, right? So that young people uh, who are the most exposed to this and the most gullible will sure. have some sense of, and some suspicion of what's true and what's not. Yep, that's great. And it, it's funny, I swear, it's like you have my, my questions ahead of me because you're giving me perfect segues. I wanted to ask you, like, kids that are coming up, it, they're interested in this, maybe they're listening to this episode, and I don't know if it's anything like when when I was in school, everything that we've discussed over the past hour, I knew absolutely nothing about. And there was no course or subject that even remotely related to this. So maybe maybe there is a bit more out there, you know, at the high school level. But you're a kid, you're, you're interested in the cybersecurity issues, AI, tech. What should they be studying? Like what what courses, what path? Is it getting into coding? Is it in getting into software engineering? Like what are you just mentioned that that teen forum you have, which sounds awesome. Um, what avenues are out there for them to to try and become a, a thought leader in this space? Yeah, well, everything is fortunately, everything is on online. So it's just finding sort of um, the right uh, provider, right? So um, on the other hand, you know, LinkedIn, 
is a great provider, right? YouTube, mm -hmm. sometimes you have to decipher what's what. Just getting up to speed. Uh, a lot of people are learning, uh, Brian, on TikTok, on Reels, yep. right? These short form bits, right? So you can learn a lot. But again, you have to be concerned about who uh, is the provider. And yep. you want to make sure those 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 folks are legitimate. And, and But I guess regarded. my question was like at, on a more formal education level, like do we have, can you go to college right now? Can you pick a course that's in AI? Like does that exist yet? Yes, you can. Depending on most colleges have something, right? At least basic, right? If you go to a tech college, uh, you know, uh, technology institute, you obviously have more. You could do a major in AI. So they are, okay. they do exist. Okay. And they're continually updating those courses. Uh, for younger people, again, most of it's online. You can, and there's probably some certificate programs as well that they can mm -hmm. take advantage of. Because I'm not sure the high schools just yet are really getting into that. Like, on the other hand, there are online courses which can be you know uh which the schools can partner with which they'll give you sort of credit for so there are there are possibilities like that so the 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 education is coming and it is here again it's just about deciphering it and staying up to date got it yeah because i think that's one of the gripes you often hear is you know you can go to college spend a fortune, take on this debt, and then you run the risk of the skills that you just learned over four years. Once you get out there, they're yesterday's news. They're not even really applicable anymore. And you see that no, nowhere more so than in the tech space, where it's just like at breakneck speed, these innovations. Um, it almost seems like we could get to a point where you graduate high school and it's like, if this is your interest, you start like an education inside you know, the private arena, almost working in tandem with these companies. Otherwise, I don't know how you can keep up with it all. Yeah, but that's that's a hundred percent accurate, right? Because the code, the the technology, and the software and the development is always changing, right? And in fact, one of the companies I work with does that. Once you graduate from college, they give you a, a twelve week course to get you up to speed on the latest software that companies are are looking uh, to hire, right? So. So that that so there are opportunities like that and and there are programs like that. So that's good. But the reality is, Brian, as you can see, we've been teaching coding, right? There's been this whole movement to get people to code. Mm -hmm. The AI is going to do it for us. So the most <laughs> important you know, skill set, and one of the things we're teaching in this course is about critical thinking, right? The ability and life and the ability to continue learning, right? Those are really important skill sets. So yeah. um uh, but but it's really um, it's really come very quickly, right? Because again, we've always been saying they need to learn how to code. Well, yeah. you don't really need to learn how to code anymore. You need to understand how the code works. You need to understand how to prompt the AI. In fact, that's sort of the new skill set that's uh, again going to continually evolve and develop. But um, that's been sort of just in our, just in the past 10, 20 years, that's been a, a huge change now that AI can uh, do it for us. Correct. Yep. And so maybe to kind of round things out here, I know we're doing a bit of a tour around the world. So when people think of tech, and I know we talked a little bit earlier about actual funding and everything, and that really had a spotlight shown on it earlier this year with you know Silicon Valley Bank and uh, First Republic and some of these bank collapses, a lot of them that were uh, their depositor base was in you know venture capital or, or tech startups. So a lot of that people think tech, they think Silicon Valley, the small, tiny little place in California. Then so much, you know, during COVID moved to Austin you know, to Texas, you and I were here in Jersey, you know, you do so much on the East Coast. 
you know, right in my backyard, we, we got Netflix moving over at the old Fort Monmouth. Do you think there's going to be more movement, you know, from California to Texas? Could Jersey become a tech hub at some point? And what is it that prompts that, that creates such a little ecosystem like happened in Silicon Valley, you know, so many years ago? Yeah, well, I certainly has been a proliferation of tech hubs around the country and around the world, right? So that's mm -hmm. happened. Silicon Valley is no longer the only place you need to be, right? It still is very strong, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but the New Jersey, New York area and Philadelphia have grown considerably uh, over the past 10 years. So we are essentially a tech hub. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, post-COVID and now that people can be anywhere, Right. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, a stark reality on societies and governments and local regions and states that, you know, the 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 real reason people want to stay somewhere is because of quality of life. Right. Uh, remember, you could work remote almost anywhere. Right. Almost yeah. anywhere you can you can be. Uh, you just have to come back for maybe uh, monthly meetings for for most at least tech companies. Right. Um, so that's the that's the opportunity, right? And I, I did the my other TED talk is on this when when tech ecosystems move to the cloud, right? And you can work anywhere. What happens? Mm -hmm. But so the reality is, New Jersey and uh, and this region has been in a good place. We've benefited, particularly New Jersey, has benefited from uh, the pandemic, where a lot of people moved out of the cities, New York City yep. primarily, right, and moved to the suburbs, right? And we have one of the best quality of lives. Uh, you know, uh, schools, uh, culture, uh, communities uh, in the country, right? And so yep. we've 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 grown, and a lot of smart people came and and have been starting businesses as well, right? So, mm -hmm. and our government, our local state government, has done a good job of providing programs and incentives as well. Um, we, have we been able to? So I, what I've been saying, Brian, is we've had like a two or three year window to really take all these smart people, entrepreneurs, and just embrace them and hug them yep. and keep them here somehow, sure. some way. Um, and, and, you know, obviously, if we lower taxes, that would go a long way, right? <laughs> yeah, but I'd say so. If we can't lower taxes, if we're a high-cost state, you know, yep. um, at, the very, at the very least, is sort of uh, cheerlead and, and embrace these people and make it as easy as possible to start and grow businesses and when yep. they make a lot of money, maybe not tax them as much, right? Um, because again, at the end of the day, you want to raise your family at uh, or you know at a great place to um, to go for your kids go to school, right? And to be close to culture, right? So we we have a lot to offer. We are so lucky. But again, the the competition are very aggressive, and that's cheaper, sunnier states, yep. uh, you know mostly in the South, right? And that, that those are, they have compelling offers and, and reasons to, to relocate. And most of it's, you know, a lot of it's financial, but other, other reasons are, are, you know, weather related. Sure. But, um, so that's where we are in a nutshell. I, th I think that's, um, you know, we're, we're doing all right, but we have to do better and continue yeah. to do better because the reality is uh, people will go places where they uh, can save a lot of money. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, I think the tax thing is huge. And I think it was a bit of a wake up call when you saw just that exodus from California of 
how quickly people can make up their mind that, you know, I don't know if I really like it here anymore. And then boom, you lost this gigantic revenue source. And uh, maybe my last question here, just kind of forward looking, um, you know, I feel that a strength of America forever has been uh, immigration in particular, in a sense, being almost like a brain drain for the world, that that the best, the brightest, the hardest working, they all come here for this American dream. And then America is just this huge beneficiary of that. Uh, so in the tech space, we have a lot of, you know, homegrown talent, you know, the, the Gates, the Dells, Zuckerbergs, the like. And then we have, you know, Elon Musk's and, and people that come from around the world. Do you think it will stay that way? I do hope so, because you're right. It is the key to the state, this country's success, the state success, New Jersey, but our country's success, right, are immigrants, right? Um, if we didn't have the, the, the so much talent coming from around the world, we would not be, you know, uh, the world's superpower, right? The biggest and most robust economy and most entrepreneurial and innovative economy. Uh, we are so dependent on immigrants. And so... I'm hopeful that continues, right? We're we're still a, a beacon of of opportunity and and light and hope. Uh, it's getting harder though because other regions, other countries, are understanding they want to keep their great talent, right? And mm -hmm. so they're reforming their their business structures to make it easy to start businesses and grow businesses. They're trying to replicate Silicon Valley, right, with their uh, academic infrastructure and the government public-private partnerships. So they're doing a great job. So it's it's going to be harder going forward, um, but I'm hopeful that we will continue. And, and I'm hopeful and I continue to, to lobby our politicians to make us uh, so much easier to come to this great country because we need it not just for innovation and, and talent and entrepreneurship, but just uh, to keep our birth rate, our birth rates, declining. We need more people. We don't have enough people to fill our jobs. There's a labor shortage. We're, you know, we're at full employment, essentially. And so those immigrants uh, are really important to our success as a country and our economic vibrancy, not only now, but into the into the short and long term. Yeah, there's so many insights here, so many things that we could make a whole episode in and of itself. Um, but uh, Jim, kind of in, in closing, you know, where can people learn more? Where can they follow you? Uh, if people are listening and saying, I want to get involved, I want to, I want to do more to be an innovator. Uh, what are some of the sources, resources that you have available? Sure. So if you connect with me on LinkedIn, I'll add you to my, I have a monthly uh, email update, which tells you about all the things that are going on in the, in the state and region uh, around innovation, entrepreneurship. And uh, that's probably the best way. And then hopefully we'll meet up at a, uh, you can always call me, very easy to access and happy to jump on a short call to, to be helpful in any way, shape or form. Uh, and as I mentioned, we can leave it in the, in the show notes, but these two courses, I have two, on, two entrepreneurship, uh, one entrepreneurship, one tech course for teenagers this, this summer and on demand. So if you, if you just reach out to me, I'll, uh, one is futurecheckexperience.org. And the other one is globalentrepreneurshipexperience.org. So those for, for people who have uh, kids or grandkids or nephews, nieces that, that want to sort of um, learn online, that's an opportunity as well. And again, again, as mentioned, any uh, executives who want to try not to be disrupted by AI, you know, um, reach out to me and I'll send you the information for that Rutgers collaboration uh, uh, on AI. 
That's awesome. And again, everyone will put that in the show notes so you could check it out. But Jim, thank you so much for making the time. I mean, this is such a great conversation, things that people need to know. Um, so really appreciate it. Thank you, Brian. This has been really a great, great, thoughtful conversation. Yep. Well, everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. Today, we had the pleasure of speaking with James Baroud. And uh, be sure to check him out, all the latest uh, insights and everything in the show notes. And we will see you next time. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.